Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a fantastic week. So I am recording this early because I am heading to Minneapolis to celebrate my niece's second birthday. And so I'm not going to be covering uh, Beverly Hills or Miami this week, but we'll definitely get to it next week for sure. Today's guest is so fun. I have Ashley Baker. She is part of the duo that runs Taste of Reality, which you guys know from Instagram, but they also have a great website with lots of articles and things like that. Um, before we get into the, my chat with Ashley, I just wanted to share a couple of things. Um, one is that I don't think I articulated myself very well this episode when I was talking about Wendy and NECA. I believe that both are in the wrong, basically, in this situation. I think um, Wendy came in too hot. She got so offended that NECA said that she knew her when she didn't know her. But I think NECA just meant she knew who Wendy was. But Wendy and her family took it as, oh, they used Wendy's name to get on the show. Whatever it is, I, I just feel like both of them are kind of upping the ante to make it worse. And NECA in particular, the type of stuff she's saying about Wendy's family, about Wendy's mom putting a uh, curse on her or what, what was it like witchcraft, voodoo, whatever it is, worshiping to a shrine. All of it, I think, goes back to that um, claims of Wendy maybe being Osu. And that is pretty low. Um, that being said, I think it's really inappropriate that Wendy's mom called NECA like stay out of out of her business and the business of the show is basically how I feel. I did look into it a little bit further though um because the woman who writes the vulture recaps for the real housewives of Potomac is Nigerian and she explains some of the cultural things that at least I'm very unfamiliar with and one of the things she says is that sometimes Nigerians say have I prayed with you before as like a dramatic way of asking are we close have I spoken to God with or about you and the inverse of that is have I prayed against you and so Wendy's mom was likely trying to say, like, I don't know NECA like that. Like, we haven't prayed together, that kind of a thing. And maybe it got twisted into praying against her. Um, but regardless of the case, I wish Wendy's family and Wendy in particular had been open to NECA joining the show. And I wish NECA wasn't trying to air all of this crap to go against Wendy. It's clear that she likely knew all of this prior to seeing Wendy at Ashley's 
housewarming. And so it's like, oh, you're waiting for a couple of episodes. You're waiting to bring this up and make Wendy and her family look really bad. So the whole thing is just really sad. But I do feel like um, Wendy was very, very bothered by NECA because Eddie did unfollow NECA's husband. And I 100% believe them that that happened. You know, if you went to college in the mid-2000s, Everyone that you knew from school was your Facebook friend, basically. And you never really go back through Facebook and unfriend people unless something drastic has happened. And I feel like Wendy was like, you better, you know, cut him off, (laughs) something like that. So those are my thoughts on Wendy versus NECA. But basically, it feels really gross to watch. And I'm really sad to watch two women of the same tribe um, try and tear each other apart. And then another thing I will add about The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City that I don't think I've gotten to share yet as much is I was very, very wrong about Angie Kay on this show. I had thought she was annoying. I didn't know what her role was. I thought she was really thirsty to be on the franchise and wasn't maybe being herself. And then I realized kind of over the last few episodes and then upon meeting her at BravoCon that, you know, behind kind of all of the kind of silly clothes and the sunglasses, she is a kind-hearted person who maybe leans into drama, but isn't, she's a great housewife and I don't think she's as thirsty as maybe I had thought she was. So, you know, I... 100% admit I was wrong. And I did think that it was very odd that her daughter, who was 11, slept in the same bed as her and her husband. It sounds like maybe that's not an everyday thing. I I don't know. But maybe that was more of Angie's issue than the daughter. Um, But yeah, I still judge on that. I think that's a little weird. But you know, whatevs. It's not that. (laughs) It's not that deep, guys. And I also think I made a comment about her daughter's name, like Electra. I thought that was just a really out there name, but it is definitely a Greek name. And so it makes sense why her daughter is named Electra. But all I could think is watching Angie Kay in that pink bonnet with those huge sunglasses was that she looked incredible. She looked so chic. And also, it's so funny to show up and then just wear this bonnet. I really am enjoying her on the show. And I feel like she's in the drama, but not too much. And watching her navigate the argument between Lisa Barlow and Monica was (laughs) very relatable. When you're in the middle of something and you don't want it to go left and it goes left and you just don't know how to reel it in. Yeah. (laughs) So I really like her guys and I have no problem admitting when I am wrong. All right. As always, if you enjoy the show, go ahead, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. It helps me get new guests. And, you know, if you have any constructive criticism or any thoughts you want to share with me, my DMs are open. You can reach me at Mandy Slutsker. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then back with Ashley from Taste of Reality. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. 
Hi, everyone. I am here with the lovely Ashley Baker, who is runs the Instagram account Taste of Reality. And they break all kinds of news and reality TV. And Ashley lives in Vegas. So she was lucky enough to be able to go to BravoCon and be able to sleep in her own bed, which I'm so jealous of. Do you think they'll ever do it in D.C.? (laughs) Unfortunately for you, I think not. But (laughs) I've always wanted to go to D.C. and that would just be one more reason to. Right? I cannot imagine BravoCon. People would not get it here. No, 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 no. And even in Vegas, whether or not people got it, it's Vegas and everybody just kind of does what they want anyway. Exactly. Well, how are you doing? It's so nice to be here. It's so nice that I finally got to meet, got to meet you in person at BravoCon. We literally met like as it was ending, like the <laughs> last. It was like at the at the club when the the lights come up and they're like, I don't know where you're going, but you can't stay here. It was like that moment. <laughs> it was like five thirty p.m. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, day three. Everybody's exhausted. I don't know how my legs worked for that long, but I'm just thankful they did. It was a lot, but in the best way possible. Did you have any big takeaways from BravoCon? Any incredible moments? Well, as if I didn't love him already, um, Andrea Denver. Oh, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, is everything that you would want him to be. He was sweet. He was kind. He smelled good. He's so handsome. Oh, and he talked to me about Taylor Swift, which, you know, of course, he was in the Blank Space video. And now I'm one degree away from Taylor Swift. So that (laughs) made me so happy. Um, I had a not great experience with Avery Singer. I got stung by the stinger, the singer stinger. This time it was Avery's. I actually did write about it on tasteofreality.com. I do a lot of the writing for the um, website. Imani, my partner, does a lot of the um, of the Instagram. So I did a little write-up on my experience with Avery, who is a lot like her mother. And that's just what it is. It was not, you know, like, she was there in the context of, like, selling her product, her bachelor, bachelorette party gig that she does. And she was not friendly. I did not have a great experience with her. But literally every single person was very cool. Like, so nice. Love the Bravo liberties. Um, a few people were more friendly than others. Like there were a couple of people who didn't seem as excited to be there. Um, maybe a couple of the summer house girls. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I got the vibe from like Paige and Lindsay just being outside of the live stage where it was very close contact. Like on day one, before anybody really knew what was going on, we ended up just kind of like right where the area where they load and unload off of the stage. And whereas like Kyle, this sounds random, but Jake from State Farm was there. Yes. And he couldn't have, like, like he's amazing. I'm obsessed with Jake from State Farm, like nobody's business. And like they were all just like hamming it up. Um, Happy Eddie was there. Everybody was so cool, and Paige and Lindsay were polite enough. Yeah. They were polite enough. They, I'm sure. It's very overwhelming to be 
around that many people who are staring at you, who are taking pictures of you, who are trying to touch you, who want to hug you, you know, for that long. Uh, And especially for Lindsay, someone who's just gone through a really tumultuous moment in their life. I I do feel like Lindsay is incredibly calculated and that she's always trying to plan a PR move. And Mm -hmm. that must be a stressful way to live. If you're constantly like thinking of things as like, I need to be pictured here with this person doing this thing so that they write this article about me, you know, and and I think Paige actually doesn't care. And the reason I think that is because I had a long conversation with Sierra about uh, at one of the Bravo Paloozas and like everyone kind of left and it was just me and a few girls chatting with Andrea and Sierra and Sierra was saying that she thinks Lindsay had been jealous of her and Paige because they don't give a fuck and they just do what they want and they live how they want and they don't worry about how they're going to be perceived because they can't change who they are and that would be inauthentic for TV for them to behave differently and that Lindsay is always trying to think about how things will come across. And I think she's exhausted. It's not as easy for her. Um, And so that was, I think, one of the things that caused a bit of distance between them and Lindsay. But she said this past summer, Lindsay let her hair down a bit and wasn't as the way she had been before. But Mm. yeah. I can see that in um, their... I know it's reality, but their performances, let's say, like, Lindsay, it's not as fun to watch her for me personally. And that and your theory would hit because if she's not as comfortable and if she's in her head all the time, she's not living her best life on screen if she's doing all that. So that's probably why I don't necessarily love watching her when she's on screen, except she's very I mean, she's so beautiful. I mean. Oh, she is. they're all so beautiful. What I don't like, though, is like, <laughs> you know, both her and Carl lost a lot of weight following the broken engagement, like a lot. Like Carl mm-hmm. looked very gaunt. Um, and I think she was kind of like, people were saying like, oh, revenge body. And it's like, oh, like not eating because you're depressed is not... <laughs> It's not yeah, this do, is not the like, goal. We shouldn't be like saying, "Oh, this is like the body that you want," you know. Um, oh. If it was come on with such misery, you know, I just think she's well, beautiful. What if she always. went the other way? Exactly. And like, let's just look at the double standard. Like, if she would have gone the other way, and instead of losing ten pounds, like heaven forbid, she would like gain ten pounds. Because what would people say then? It's like you can literally not win right. in this world. As a woman, because we have bodies. And of course, that just means, but that was like what everyone was saying the whole time. It's like, oh my God, Lindsay's so skinny, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, number one, she's on TV. Everybody looks bigger on TV. Um, I went to Heather Gay's book signing. I don't know if you read Housewives books, but her book was really good. Bad Mormon is a really good book. And I went to her book signing and I didn't get over how thin she was. I know. It was about six months ago. I know. I and, was with her at the airport and we talked and I couldn't get over it either. It was especially like Mary's body shaming towards her and stuff. I'm like, she's fucking small and pretty. But she's small. She's not a large woman. There's nothing large about her. And I asked her, I was like, I, I, I felt even bad asking her, but I was like, 
So if this like your normal body, if you lost weight, like she's like, I was so much bigger on TV. And I was just like, this is insane. She was actually wearing the Prada dress that she wore when she went to Mary's house a few episodes ago. Oh, nice. She was wearing that. And just contextually, because like everybody's on Ozempic, whether they admit it or not, and they do sell the Ozempic drug. They don't call it Ozempic. It's the other, I don't know what the the term is, but they sell that at Beauty Lab. I got the Good Time Girl facial when I was in Salt Lake City. Oh, they sell... what is the it called the when they yeah but they it's compounded so it's not like the fda yeah. doesn't recommend taking that right it's like five hundred dollars <laughs> a hit at beauty lab and laser if you're in murray um if you're in murray utah um so they do sell it there so i mean possibly i mean there's the possibility anybody could be using it but she was in that same dress and unless she bought that dress in two different sizes which would make no sense that product dress indicates that that's like her normal size. No, size I, I saw her. Yeah. And that blows my, I didn't, did you see her at BravoCon? Yeah. So I saw her not at BravoCon, but at the airport afterwards. Okay. And had okay. like a long chat. It's, it's wild how small these people are and how thin they are. And just someone who has, who's already thin, but compared to someone who's like a double zero or something, that's what we're dealing with. Like if all of them are just real thin and then one has like a couple of curves, they come across so much larger, but it, it really made me sad that people are like, oh, she's, she's big or she, it's just not accurate factually. It's not. And the fact that people are so small right now. So I went to that panel, the infamous panel that Gabby from Philly asked Jennifer Aiden um, if she could crawl any further up Teresa's backside. And I was number one floored after she said that, but I wait like the whole time I was dead to see dead at how skinny everybody on that cast is, particularly Teresa and Dolores. Like, they look, uh, this sounds shamey. And I'm like, here, you're talking about women's bodies, but it's like, obviously they're doing something like this is not normal for women. Hey, I'm in my forties. I'm speaking of a woman as a woman of a certain age. Um, you're not losing weight like that naturally. No. And that gives me the feeling, the right to be able to comment on it because <laughs> it's not yes. something they were born with. It's not like something that they like can't control. It's wild that um, everyone seems to be using weight loss drugs when they're um, uh, already within a normal BMI range. It's it's um, a bit shocking. But, you know, people, they always say like celebrities and movie stars and all that are always like shorter and skinnier than you imagine them in the shows. The only people right. that are bigger are like Craig and Austin and Shep. Like they're tall. They're like shockingly tall. But everyone mm. else I feel like is pretty like a lot smaller than you imagine. Right. You know, I think one of the more shocking ones is Erica Jane. Though mm-hmm. I didn't see her at BravoCon. I did see, I mean, I live in Vegas. I got to go to her Vegas show for free because they gave tickets away to teachers because that's what they do when shows undersell. So one of my friends as a teacher was like, do you want to go? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to go. They show her music videos, like any other concert, like in the background. And then she's this like 
slip of a version of herself. So you see like, you know, money or why did I, heaven forbid I get those songs confused. Um, It's expensive to be me in the background. And she's in front of the screen singing her own song. And it looks like two different people. Like it does not look like the same person. Wow. That was an interesting hour and something of my life. I've seen her in concert too, not in Vegas, but in DC back when she was doing her tour in 2018. What did you think? It was only like 42 minutes beginning to end and there was no like intro act. So it was short is what I thought Mm -hmm. it was. But I thought she was very talented, more so in the dancing and the movement than in the singing. It didn't seem she was singing live necessarily, but, you know, she's definitely an entertainer. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like, number one, if you're an Erica Jane fan, you're going to enjoy the show. And if you like cover songs, like she does Material Girl, she does some fun songs. And I like, you know, her original songs. She has a few bops, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But it's like a full concert. She sings live, at least over a track. So credit where credit is due. But um, I'm glad I didn't spend any money on it. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad I went for free. Something that I think you did spend money on, though, was the Trace Amigas show. I did. I did. I I went to Phoenix by myself to see the Trace Amigas. <laughs> I have to know it. Tell me everything. Was it a fun show? What do they even do? Okay. So not only did I pay to go to this show and I took a little mini vacation, I, I forked out the money for like the super VIP experience. So I got to hang with the Trace Amigas before the show got to see them during the show and then stay after for like pictures with the three of them. So the, before the show was fascinating, like um, Shannon and Vicky were so nice, like asking tons of questions, engaged, asked your name, like used my name in conversation a few times. Like I got distracted while talking to Shannon. And at one point she was like, Hey, Ashley, let's take a picture. And I was like, you want to take a picture with me? Okay. So, like, she was amazing. Vicky gave me life advice, which she could not. Vicky was just everything. Like, she literally, at one point during the show, started to sell insurance and tell the audience about the importance of having insurance. Like, these women are exactly off screen who they are on screen. So, Shannon and Vicky are very good about working the crowd. Like, everybody there paid, like, it was a lot. Like, it was like $250 or something to oh do my this. God. So they're like doing the whole thing and Tamara just kind of was doing her own thing. And she like talked to like one group of people. And like, when we realized like this is going to be wrapping up soon, the other two ladies made it to where they got to chat with everybody, do pictures with everybody. That wasn't the case with Tamara. Like right before we all like got, you know, escorted to the venue for the show, we were like, Hey, can we take a picture? Click. And that's like all we got of her. So that was a little disappointing. But at the same time, like, this is who these women are. Like, yeah, Vicky knows she's doing a job. Shannon was there. She understood the assignment. Tamara was being Tamara. She was just living in the moment. Interesting. But the show was good. Um, the show was actually a lot of fun. They had some, like, pre-recorded, like, dance routines and like little songs that they did, which were really cheesy and funny. They did some, uh, some screen, you know, some like acting things where they recreated some of their iconic scenes. 
Q&A with the audience. Um, I don't remember them saying anything that was like off the charts, like crazy breaking news. But Shannon did start off by addressing the elephant in the room. And she said that she made a huge mistake, one of the biggest mistakes of her life, driving a car after drinking. And there was no excuse. There was no like Tom Sandoval. Yeah, but like it was nothing like that. This is what I did. It was wrong. It's not going to ever, ever happen again. And that's where it was. And I appreciated that. After the show, I met um, a few uh, fellow Bravo-holics, and we went to the, like, bar, restaurant thing right next door to the venue. And we were seated at this, like, corner booth. Um, guess who was seated right by us? Right by us, the Trace Amigas and their friends. So I'm, like, literally standing there, like, they're at the next booth. And, like, my eyes were right on them the entire time. So, like, I didn't want to be creepy, but, like, obviously I had to observe what was happening. Vicky, all over her man. So much PDA. Pamela, I couldn't really see too well. Shannon, who is very slender right now, may I add, and who remembered me from BravoCon, I gave her a friendship bracelet, and she asked me which what it said, and I said nine lemons in a bowl. And, like, she knew at that point that, like, that was legit me. And she was so freaking nice. I had made friendship bracelets for her, Vicky, and Tamara, and they all put them on there and, like, wore them through the show and everything. Which was so sweet. That is cute. And, um, it was really nice. It was just, it was a really nice event. I'm really glad I went. I recommend you go to the Trace Amigas event. If you can afford it, if you can like do the whole VIP experience, there's like two levels. It's really worth it if you can do the higher level one. It's like an hour before the show. Afterwards, you literally get a picture. You like, go on and it's like a standard, uh, a step and repeat. So you go, you get your picture, you say, I love you, and then you go. So you get your money's worth either way if you love the ladies. Um, so, yeah, that was um, that was the Trace Amigas. But I do have a little story that I haven't shared yet. And I wanted to, I'm going to be actually writing about it. I just found this on my phone. So I was seated with some Bravo-holics at the show. And they know somebody who was at the Meadows at the same time as Rachel from Vanderpump Rules, formerly oh known as Raquel Nevis. And I want you to know that as the good quote-unquote journalist I am, I checked sources. And I will not, of course, reveal my sources. I went on Instagram. I cross-checked who knows who. I dug into some accounts that are not like creator accounts. Like they're obviously personal accounts. So I'm going to keep their name out, but I did do the investigating. And these people truly know these people. Ahem. This is about Tom Sandoval and Rachel. Allegedly, from these two women, they both confirmed this. Rachel and Sandoval were talking the whole time she was there. We know that she had sent letters to the house. They were going to be together until... Rachel decided that she needed to spend more time in there for herself, that the mental health treatment was working and she just needed to invest more time in her, in herself. And he, at that point, said, well, I'm not waiting anymore. And ditch, let me say, dipped out of their relationship, which was apparently still a thing until that moment when he was like, yeah, I need to go get my D-I-C-K wet or whatever it is that he needed to do. And was like, yeah, that's when he bounced. 
was when yeah. she needed more time in there is when he was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I can't, I can't. And that was when he um, dipped out of his relationship with Rachel and just like proving like he really is a worm. He is a spineless, spineless excuse of a man. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, but shouldn't she know this because he was willing to dip out on his partner of nine and a half years? Like if someone does that, then in their cheating and you're the one they're cheating with, you know they can do the same thing to you, right? So it wasn't like she was manipulated into thinking that he was single or that they were separated or whatever it was. Like that isn't the situation here. She knew that Ariana was all in in this relationship, but she chose to listen to what Sandoval was telling her to make her feel less guilty. Right. Less like a piece of shit. I'm going to start by saying that I agree with everything you said. Nothing you said was wrong. With that, I'm going to just say that I think part of Sandoval's disgustingness as a human is that he was able to prey on somebody like Rachel because she seemed so weak and easy to get wrapped around his finger. And though I am not a Rachel apologist, she knows exactly what she did and did over and over and over and over and in the most disgusting way possible. But I feel like there's a level where I feel like she was targeted. She was preyed upon by Sandoval because he knew that he would have like power over her because she isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. There are a few fries short. Uh, she's a few fries short of a happy meal. Now, I think, you know, there is something to be said for him kind of wanting to manipulate women or having more power than them in general or in friendships. He likes to be the one that kind of controls things. Um, but Which you know. is why he hates Katie. Oh, and I love that she bothers him so much. Team Katie all the time. I love you guys know I love Katie Maloney. Um and hi mom. I know that you had Terry on and I, I love, love Terry Maloney. I would have loved to have met her at BravoCon. I love her. She's the best. She's the best. Um but yeah, with Sandoval, I I don't know. I don't know what's considered preyed upon because she's not a minor and I don't know what mental no. health condition she has. But he definitely has a, a habit of taking advantage and manipulating people in situations. A good example. So a good friend of mine started watching Vanderpump Rules from the beginning, knows nothing of these people or any anything, literally knows nothing. And oh, so, so she sends me texts every so often and she's like, oh, I'm getting to the beginning of Tom and Ariana's relationship. I can't believe this lasted over nine years. There's already a problem with this girl from Miami. And I said, after everything came out with Scandaval, Ariana came clear and said during that whole time, she knew Tom had been with the girl in Miami. But because they weren't officially together at that time, or it was like unclear if they were monogamous or not, she and she didn't want him to look bad. She agreed to lie and say she believed her boyfriend. And I think he like that's manipulative to get your partner to lie to make you look better. I think Mm. that's a manipulative thing to do. And so all of this stuff, like, I just did not clock Sandoval as the manipulative one because 
we had Jax who lied a lot. We had so many others who were, you know, not not exactly forthright. And then he kind of got by under the radar a little bit with the viewers, at least me as a viewer. I did not clock that he also could be manipulative. I didn't see it. I, I, because Jax was on the show and Jax is just a walking, talking, human, big, like inflatable red flag. He is a monster version of a red flag, like in the flesh. So I think it's fair to say that a lot of us let Sandoval and Schwartz and how problematic they can both be specifically towards women, in my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really hard to watch. I watched Vanderpump Rules since day one, episode one, since, you know, from when Sheena was talking to Brandy Glanville and seamlessly trans- trans- transitioned back to talk to Stassi and the start of Vanderpump Rules. Like, I've been there since the first second. And at this point, oh my gosh, I totally had MS brain and forgot what we were talking about. We, I was just going on a tangent about Vanderpump Rules. And we were talking about so how we couldn't tell that Sandoval was manipulative because of all of the other people on the cast yes. who had less than ideal behavior. Thank you. So since Sandoval, I went back and um, watched from episode one and seeing the book thing again, that was so wrong. Like that yep. book, the book that she ended, that Ariana ended up publishing with Tom Schwartz, or I'm sorry, Sandoval, um, the way that, Tom Sandoval wor- wormed with a mustache himself into that book deal. Like that was Ariana's deal. Ariana didn't need him. And I cannot wait for, I think it's December 5th when Ariana's book comes out. And I feel in my gut that it's going to be a bestseller, top 10, hoping for number one. And respectfully to her first book, it didn't get on the town's uh, bestseller list. And I'm saying that's because of Tom Sandoval. <laughs> Okay. This one's going to be huge. This one's going to be huge. I hope she does well with this book. I hope she does well with something about her. I'm going to probably have to come out to LA at some point once that shop opens so I can have some feminist sandwiches. (laughs) Yes. I I love her and Katie's friendship. I like the two of them. I like what they stand for, like women in business and standing on your own two feet and being financially independent and being smart and um, being strong, you know? This is the duo I don't think any of us knew we were getting, nor that we needed, but here they are. And, like, I don't remember who posted the Barbieheimer meme, and it was Ariana wearing pink and then Katie in her signature look. And I just absolutely love those two. I love the two of them. I'm I'm with you. I'm Team Katie always. I think people give Katie way too much crap about her style. I think she has amazing personal style. Like, though I don't always agree with what she chooses, Katie Maloney has a look. Yes. And that is so cool to me. Like, it's going to be hits and misses, and that's fashion, and that's confidence, and I celebrate that. I would so much rather that than look at, like, an IE Dorit Kemsley, who is, of course, gorgeous, but she's not, like, interesting. She just wears, like, a designer top to bottom, and as we all learned from Jenna Jenna Jenna, uh Jenna genitalia that you shouldn't be doing that and um yeah I I stand I stand 
Yeah, it's um, it's fun to watch her and it's fun to watch her post-divorce, like rediscovering the things that she loves about herself, which include, I think, her style and, you know, she loves music. And, you know, the, episode one, she said she wanted to own her own record label one day. That was something that she talked about. You know, I forgot about that. And yeah, it's cool. I also like the unlikely duo of Lala and Sheena as moms with their daughters hanging out and having a good time. And I think that's um, very sweet. And I appreciate that friendship as well. Oh, the plot twist of having Brock right there for Lala and baby Ocean, yeah. who's not a baby anymore. But like, not only is Sheena and Lala just like such a beautiful example of coming together and I just, I love seeing Brock in the mix too. He, oh, he was he's great. A really he's guy. he's he a nice so guy. Nice. Well, I want to get into this week's shows because we have gossiped for a little too long. Just kidding. Oh, sorry about I that. I loved it. I love every oh, second good. of it. I want to get your thoughts on Potomac. So Robin and Juan. <laughs> It appears that she just refuses to acknowledge, either on camera, but I think it's off camera too, any sort of negative things about him. Like, she doesn't want to. And this episode, Giselle confronts Robin about how when they were in Atlanta for the Reasonably Shady podcast tour, Giselle and Juan had some pretty strong words for each other, mainly Juan towards Giselle. And she's like, he was kind of shouting at me. And that's usually where you kind of step in and are like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't, I wasn't there for it, but I'll talk to him about it or whatever it is. But instead, she said, uh, Robin said something like, oh, he has bad hearing. That's why he shouts. He has bad hearing because he shouted so much while he was playing basketball or coaching basketball. I was like, shouting does not equal hearing loss, first of all. (laughs) And even if he does have hearing loss, there's a difference between like talking loud and yelling, right? And I think that's sort of what, I don't know. I just can't get over Robin having every excuse in the book for him. And that's the thing that I can't handle anymore. I'm really having, and I love Potomac. It's like one of my top three housewives, but it's just becoming so exhausting with the green eyed bandits and always manufacturing drama. The whole situation from last season, Robin withholding information from the show, yet selling it on her Patreon. I'm still not over that as a viewer. Like, that was so insulting. And now, like, just making all the excuses for Juan, I'm just not into it. It's not interesting. It's not good TV. It's honestly really, really sad. Yeah, it makes me sad. I also am sad that the cast seems to be very just not cohesive. Like, they don't seem to genuinely like each other at all. And... um. It doesn't mean that everyone has to like each other at every moment, but two really good examples of cohesive cast that we have right now are Salt Lake City, and Lord knows mm-hmm. they were not cohesive prior to this season. They're pretty cohesive in that they can all be together, go on trips together. There's drama and all of that, but at the end of the day, they can get together and film. Um, 
And then Miami is a perfect example of they're all able to get together and they're all able to rally. And it feels like only Karen Huger is able to get all of the women together at the same place at the same time. And I worry that we're losing the franchise because they're holding on like Candace is holding on hate towards Giselle and Robin is holding, you know, like everyone's holding on, you know, issues towards Wendy. Wendy is holding on all of her people she doesn't like. You know, I worry um, about the future of the show if they can't figure out how to be a cohesive cast, like an ensemble. There's just too many broken connections. And if they're not willing to get uncomfortable and bite the bullet and frankly and respectfully do their job. I mean, their job is to, could you imagine going to work every day and just being like, yeah, I'm not going to work with this person today. Like, no, get to work. You have a task to do. You're not allowed to like have interpersonal problems that get in the way with work. Like it's a really weird thing on reality TV to me that people think that they are just allowed to not film with people when you're getting paid to be there. That's just my, as a human that's always had to work and have jobs. Like you work with people that you don't like, period. That's life. I agree. I agree. And I think that um, they're going to have to do a big cast shakeup after the season if it doesn't improve because you've got this like Wendy is having issues with everyone. You know, (laughs) everyone's hating everyone. What do you make of this Wendy versus NECA situation? It doesn't feel good. I don't like watching it. I, And I'm saying this like as a white woman who understands that I am a white woman commenting on two black women in America who have completely different experiences than me. So with that said, like as somebody who doesn't have any connection, like I really like I can empathize, but I can't relate like to have them like hit it after each other in such like a gross way. Like, this is why the show isn't fun. And this is why they have, the housewives in general just aren't fun. It's not fun like it used to be. We can be shady and, like, throw, you know, throw shade, read each other to trash, whatever. But you can do it without, like, bringing up people's, like, culture and ancestry. And it just, I don't enjoy watching it. I'd rather shade Wendy for like, you know, and I think it was my partner. He said this, Imani at Tasty Reality. uh, She's the one who's usually on Instagram. She said it is. It's a great point that like, why didn't they bring up Wendy and her degrees? And like, that's fun and shady. And it's like, like, oh, Wendy, you know, her and all of her degrees that she just can't, you know, like they could have found other ways to shade each other and to read. But I'm not enjoying that aspect of this season at all. So me neither. Yeah, and I do it's, think it's not fun to watch. I do think it's partially Wendy and her family's fault. I think it's everyone. I think they're all to blame for it. But mm-hmm. she, when apparently NECA said that she knew Wendy, just because you know of someone doesn't mean like, oh, I know her. Like, did she use that Wendy's name to try and get on the show? Again, every fight is about the show itself. If even if she did, like, who cares? Like, who cares if someone's using your name for clout? Who cares? Like, why is this such a big deal? Like, if you know her, you know her. If you don't know her, you don't know her. It's like, it's not that deep. And if you want to be the only person of your, like, Igbo culture on 
Potomac and you don't you want like the other person to be someone that you know and that you're friendly with like I I wish that Wendy had gone in with a more open mind and Mm -hmm. uh, approached NECA in a positive way and would love to have seen how that went but NECA also seems like someone who is likes to be provocative and you know poke a little bit but Wendy should know better than to kind of bite the bait like and her mom seems to have really caused like a huge thing and you know I just I know that Wendy can't necessarily tell her mom to stop but it would be better if she uh didn't comment um on things relating to the show or call people about the show like just let Wendy be on the show it's her show it's not her family's show you know, and and see. But I feel like Wendy has just become so unlikable. And for me, I've always said this. I loved her the first season. I thought that was her. Turns out it's not. And I don't know who she is because she presents a different person, I feel like, every season with different interests and different ways of talking to people. And I just can't figure out. I mean, I loved who she was, who she said she was with all these degrees and being smart and leaning into that. Why the hell is she trying to do a candle line? Why is she trying to do a talk show? Why is she trying? Like, why is she? And then why can't she connect with the other women? Why is she so judgmental to everyone? Like, she's angry and she holds on to it. And I know that there's like the angry black woman trope, but to see how mad she gets and that she holds on to it. And it's like, oh, I wish she would just take it down a notch. And then when she pulled Mia away to like be like, oh, no, Mia, I want to make up with you. What Mia did to her was awful. And Robin Mia is awful. Right. But the things that that Wendy had been saying towards Mia were also awful. Um, especially this season, all the things about her being slow and like dumb and, you know, she's, this is all the stuff that people claim that Wendy does, that people claim Heather Dubrow does that I don't believe she does. The talking down, you know, Wendy actually is talking down. She's saying, oh, you're too slow to keep up with me to understand what I'm saying. It's a nasty thing to say to somebody else. And Guys, I've, I've, I just don't think Wendy belongs on Potomac. I don't, I don't think. And it, Candace needs to have other allies because this won't work if she holds on to grudges as well. Candace has given us so much, and Wendy has given us her beautiful family. Like I love me some happy Eddie. Yeah. I love her children. Those boys, like I get a kick out of them. I enjoy when they're on screen. I'm obsessed with her daughter, like not in a creepy way, but I love me some Cameron. And Wendy, like, that's the highlight of Wendy is seeing her family under. I don't enjoy her at group events. And like you, I did at the beginning. I feel like I've had like a lot of really bad hot takes on Housewives lately. For instance, I loved um, Wendy at first and Monica on Salt Lake. Like, I loved her at first. And now I'm like stressed out every time I turn on the show. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Salt Lake. Um, Okay. Okay. So. Monica, I I still like her on the show. I don't know how I feel about her as a person. Like she might have issues as as a person. She might be a little bit more like Jen Shaw than she wants to let on. But 
in terms of the show, I am thoroughly entertained every time she is on screen, even when I disagree with her behavior. I'm entertained. I think she's an amazing addition to the show. The relationship she has with her mother is beyond just upsetting to watch. That oldest daughter that she has, the like teenager, like we're going to just put some money. I'm a Vegas girl here. I'm going to put some money on the fact that she goes into like family psychology. Yeah. Like, she will be <laughs> doing some sort of like social work, psychology, counseling. Like this is the, how could she not? Like she has been brought up in madness. And as a viewer, I love to see it. I love to look at Monica. I think she's really pretty. I am into the fact that she's a single mother. Are you aware of her um, custody agreement that was just like solidified in the last like month or something? No. What is it? Okay. So obviously I write for the dot com, tasteofreality.com. So I keep really, you know, close dibs on what's happening in the day to day. So Monica's settlement, and this is after we know she had an affair for over a year with her brother-in-law. She still managed to get full custody of her kids. That comes with like three thousand something dollars in um, child support, and she's getting four thousand a month in alimony. Why does she have full custody? What about her ex? Does he not want? He spent Thanksgiving. Well, I don't know. I didn't see. But when I wrote the article, he had been planning to spend Thanksgiving, and I don't remember seeing any posts. But I also didn't look. Um, they were supposed to spend Thanksgiving together. They're planning on spending Christmas together. So they're amicable, which I think like, even if, I mean, it's good that he wants to take care of his kids, but like she was cheating to get that much spousal support after she was cheating. Like, what did he do? I bet he he just wants her kids to be, I bet he wants their kids to be in a good situation but it's very odd that he it. doesn't have any like formal custody arrangements. Right. Like that it, the whole thing seems very odd. To I don't me. know that I, I believe this. Ashley. I don't know that I believe it. Because family court documents, aren't they sealed? So we haven't seen the original document. Like maybe they have an agreement that he can come by any time or that he um I don't know. I don't know. Something I don't trust Monica. I don't trust what okay. she says to be accurate. Monica Fowler or Monica Garcia? Exactly. Have you heard about Monica Fowler in her 21 lawsuits? Tell me. So Monica, so Monica Fowler is allegedly Monica Garcia's other um, name alias. in Utah, her alias in Utah. She, um, the reason they think it's her is because the same address is used as her address and her husband or ex-husband now is on the same suits. As Monica Fowler, so doing the math, it seems like Monica Fowler is Monica Garcia. It appears that she has like 21 lawsuits against her, and they're like mostly debt-related things, which she's a single mother. Like, I am not, trust me, the economy is trash. Everything keeps on getting more expensive. Wages are not going up. I am in no place judging somebody who's trying to make it. With that said, we see the spending, the, oh, I had to buy a bag. I had to fit in with these women that I'm around. Like, I don't think her spending is necessarily responsible. Like, some of the debt was like a children's emergency, and then one was like braces. So it's like you're getting your kids braces and just not paying the the orthodontist. Like, 
that's not cool. Yeah. I... So I don't know. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. But the the, the Monica thing um, that I just mentioned was looked up by the Bravo docket. Um, okay. They did a whole thing on their podcast about her 21 um, lawsuits. So I do remember the source of that. And I can't remember. It's been several weeks about the source of the other. But I and sometimes I do put out rumors and I put like allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. This is a rumor. This is a rumor. Like, don't sue me, basically. Yeah. No, it sounds like she has a history of not paying for things that she has bought and maybe changing her name or using a different name as to not get caught for it. I have no idea, but something is very, very shady about her. And what also came up this episode was how good she is at apologizing, which I believe is incredibly manipulative. Like she says Mm -hmm. and does things that make people immediately forget all of the harm she had caused prior to it, which is a gift. Uh, <laughs> but the way it's she scary. Said, it's scary. Yeah. She knew exactly how to speak to Lisa Barlow. She read Lisa Barlow like a book. She's like, I know exactly how I'm going to approach this, I, this apology. And Lisa Barlow even said that she can apologize to me all the time. I love this. I love it. I love that. <laughs> like, But it's true. She loved it. And I, for one, love Lisa Barlow for it. Like, she really is on her own planet. I love everything about her. I think she is disconnected. I think she's offbeat. I think that, like, this is the straight and narrow, and she's over here doing her own thing just so innocently, and she's exactly what I love in a housewife. Yeah, she's delusional, but without being particularly harmful, which is uh, my favorite kind of housewife, where they're like delusions of grandeur, but they don't harm others. Thank you. Well said. (laughs) I do think she could be a little bit emotionally harmful to friends, like the stuff she said about Meredith and her family, pretty awful. Um, but it's interesting to see in her and Meredith trying to have an honest friendship this time where they share their real feelings. And it feels like, you know, Meredith just dis- might disagree with Lisa and get frustrated with her. But hopefully by them kind of both airing their thoughts on things and acknowledging that they may have different views and still remaining friends, um, hopefully that can make their friendship grow rather than feel like oh she's not on my team she's not taking my side you know because they've moved on from being an alliance i can't handle any more like these like wars between housewives like i'm so happy that heather and um uh whitney have found their way back to each other even though it looks like we're going back into a dangerous place with bad weather but um same thing with heather uh, with lisa and meredith and trust me, I love a hot mic moment, but I, and I don't blame them for holding grudges and holding on to things like that was a lot to get over. I'm just very glad we're on the other side of that. Yeah. And I hope we can stay on the up and up because things happen and you can't take it back and the damage is done. But gosh, that was such a good rant. Like as a viewer, like <laughs> that was just, like, no, it, remember, was like, it was art. It was, it was art. People were putting it on blankets, on wall art. I'm like, yes, like this is this is exactly why I watch these shows. <laughs> it's crazy. The it's half of New York. Like, oh, it's just perfection. 
It's so funny, but it's if it was said about me, I would be very upset. So I very much understand where Meredith is coming from. Um, totally get it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about her jewelry line for a second. So okay. <laughs> They have kept, she kept saying this particular line that she's putting out is for people who can't afford fine jewelry. And then the editors proceeded to only show close ups of the fine jewelry that she has developed. So, like her collection, she said was between $50 and $500. Yet every time they closed up on earrings, they were like $1,800. So that funny. tells me that her brand plated, which I love the name, like great name. It's plated jewelry. I, I, I think it works, but not seeing the plated jewelry. I did love that she actually wore her own plated jewelry, her earrings, because like, like I doubt Lisa Barlow would, let's be honest. Like Lisa Barlow would have to wear, even though she was selling something else, she would be wearing the eight, you know, the $8,000 earrings or her 20,000, whatever. So I love I love that journey for Meredith. Um, the whole thing was very, I actually really like the idea of her line. Like, I think it's really good, but just very odd. Like, was she just not on the same page as the producer? No, I think was they the were trying, to be, trying to be shady. I think okay, they were like it. trying to make fun it. of it a bit. That's what yeah. I took from it. Cause she said her, she also showcased her fine jewelry at the event. So it was like, oh, she even said at one point, the fine jewelry is over there. The plated collection is here. But they just kept showing close-ups of the fine jewelry. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is so funny. But I did see the plated jewelry at BravoCon. They were selling That's some cool. of it. Yeah, like the 50 to to $100 stuff, not the like more expensive Mark. stuff. But they had like earrings and other stuff and, you know. My name's Mandy. It's also an M. I thought maybe I could get one of the M things, but then I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I wasn't sold on it. I, I almost got a, a Brooks Marks tracksuit, but there's no way it would have fit in my suitcase. And then I might get one online. I'm still like, I'm still interested in the Brooks Marks tracksuit. There was a holiday sweater um, that I really wanted and I went to go buy it and they're like, oh, it's on the line only. And I'm like, like, I'm going to go online. Like, I'm here at BravoCon. Like, why are you advertising it? Oh, was it that I deserve presents for breathing? Yeah. I got it. Oh, you did? Did you order it from like BravoCon? Yeah. Like, did you go no, no. I ordered point? it from online after BravoCon. Um, the oh, nice. one I got was way too big. I like miss I don't know I misunderstood the sizing and so um I'm returning it but I uh wanted to buy a size below and it w ended up being Cyber Monday or, or whatever around that time and so I got it for way less <laughs> Ooh, I wonder if they still have any left I'm glad we had this convo I'm gonna yeah. check oh I think because it's such a funny for breathing I think it's a funny sweater it's not it's great and flattering but I love it but it'll be perfect for like an ugly holiday sweater because like the colors pretty loud. You it's know, loud. like I might wear it to our work holiday event. <laughs> oh, <fun. laughs> people will be like, "What the hell is that?" There'll be one guy who gets it, and like twenty-two people who are just staring blankly at me. <laughs> that reminds me, like a few years ago, after Countess's um, arrest, the Halloween, which, which of course was on Christmas. But the Halloween after that, I dressed as Countess Luann. Like I had like a wannabe Giovanni dress and I had the microphone and the jail thing and everything. 
like two people, and I live in Vegas. I saw thousands of people probably throughout the course of the night, and like two people got it. But for those two people who got it, their reactions, it was totally worth it. Like seeing Bravo Holics out in the wild, there's nothing better. It's so funny. It's so funny. The most reactions I get is when I send my, when I wear my send it to Daryl sweatshirt. Love it. Like I got. Bella has no idea. Someone, Bella, I'm sure she does. She gets money. <laughs> someone came up to me in a farmer's market in South Minneapolis. <laughs> Oh, and was wow. like, like, oh, oh my, my God. God. And they're like, are you going to BravoCon? I was like, yeah. They're like, me too. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh my gosh. The Bravo celebrities, or I'm sorry, Bravo Holics really are the best people. Like, very rarely would I do something where I would like literally travel from by myself. We met this woman at BravoCon who was like very pregnant and traveled by, her, by herself. <laughs> I love it. To BravoCon. I was like, you're my hero. Like, this is the energy. Like, I love BravoCon. And all the housewives, everybody at BravoCon said that they preferred it in Vegas. And then when I saw the Trace Amigas, they all said that they preferred it in Vegas. So, of course, I'm based here. So, yeah, Vegas for the win. I I love it. Um, Okay, one kind of final question on Salt Lake is... So it was really sad to see that Whitney's friend Shari had passed away um, during this yeah. week's episode. She was battling cancer. It did feel like it came a little bit out of nowhere because we didn't know that she had a friend battling cancer. I wish there was a way for them to work that in earlier in the season because it was a very serious thing going on in Whitney's life to have mm-hmm. a friend battling uh, illness and then that friend to pass clearly had a huge huge impact on Whitney um I understood where she was coming from with talking to Lisa and how she feels like she's always on the phone with Lisa listening to Lisa and when she needed Lisa Lisa wasn't there for her but I also think that Lisa is a bit socially awkward and doesn't know Mm -hmm. how to have difficult conversations like she she's missing a bit of a emotional like intelligence chip and it's not that she doesn't care she just doesn't know how and so the reaction that I think Whitney wanted was the reaction that she got from Meredith who hugged her tightly who had tears in her eyes who was asking how she's doing who would you know thanking her for coming out to the event anyhow and Lisa who she would text with and stuff and who sent flowers couldn't in person figure out how to convey how she felt. And so I kind of see both sides, but it, I think, I think Lisa needs to take a little bit of accountability and just, you know, that just goes back to Lisa being Lisa and just being so (laughs) aloof and just so in Lisa's world to where she, I really don't think she thought anything of it, that she would have eventually made her way over to Whitney and that was okay. But like Whitney, I would have been like, Whitney, like how did she not like, like even just come over and like grab my hand and squeeze it or just like, even just like a touch, just like some sort of like acknowledgement of the fact that she just suffered a huge loss the day before. Um, Yeah, that was really weird. And I love you, Lisa Barlow, but that was not it. Yeah, it's just like Lisa can't give that, I don't think. I don't think that's part of who she is. And I think it's almost at this point on her friends to just accept that, right? Like she's not the person that you can lean on in a tragedy. 
And so at some point, it's your fault for leaning and thinking there's going to be a comfortable, you know, shoulder to cry on. Right. There's a comedian. um, I can't think of his name right now, but he said, go. This is in reference to like going to his dad for something. He goes, you wouldn't go. How did he phrase this? He said, like, you wouldn't go to an auto repair shop to buy milk. So, like, you just, you wouldn't necessarily go to Lisa Barlow for that. You go to Lisa Barlow for brunch. You go to her. You know, she can be there for you in some ways, and your friendship can be very beautiful, but that's just not, that's not her thing. I I wonder if she just was raised in a home where you don't talk about serious topics and you don't know how, because her to be like, well, I didn't want to bring it up and make you upset Dude, like, <laughs> you're going to be upset regardless. So not acknowledging it is the weirder thing. To me, right. it's just like, do you not know how to show compassion and empathy to others in in person? <laughs> or do you only know by giving gifts, you know? So it's just, it's interesting how that all played out. I agree. Yeah, that was that was an interesting case study. Interesting, yes. <laughs> Okay, want to end on Winter House. So this week, uh, we saw the uh, rest of the, what was it, the cowboy party, the whatever. They were all wearing like Western hats. And I, I don't even know at this point what the theme what was. was. it? Yeah. And it was the party that I think started like at two in the afternoon. Like It was an early party and it ended by before 11 p.m. But my God. Did they get into some shenanigans at this party? <laughs> I can't believe they're like in their 30s. The way they party, like they act like they really are in their 20s. Like age really is just a number with this crew. As somebody in their 40s, I could do that in my 20s. I could not hold on in my 30s to how they do. Like I could not keep up. And now it's like, no, I'm going to bed. Like, yeah, I would rather go take a nap come out and eat dinner and then go to bed for the night. Thank you very much. It was a lot. It was a lot of alcohol. That's the thing. I'm really enjoying winter house because of course it's like um, a combination of different people from all the different shows. So because of that, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not a huge like summer house, winter house girly, like watching grownups just like drink all the time and like getting costumes, like, I don't hate it. Like I watch it um, kind of background, like while I'm cleaning and stuff. It's just not one of my like go-to shows. So, but I am enjoying this season of winter house. Cause uh, again, I'm a Vanderpump rules girly. So give me Schwartz. The fact that Schwartz is like a prize to queen Floody. Katie Floody is so adorable and charming. And I, I just like her so much. Aisha, I love Aisha. I'm so sad that she was only on a few episodes. But um, the fact that she's like going so hard for Schwartz, like he's some sort of treat at this point in, his le- in our lives. Like in 2023, like she's being very generous. I know. I think she's uh, kind of gotten over that, it sounds like. I mean, she'd never seen Vanderpump Rules. And Schwartz is a very magnetic, charismatic person. If you've ever met him in real life, it he is people gravitate towards him. Um, and he makes you feel like really good about yourself. He seems right. like he's listening and kind. Um, I don't know if he is listening. <laughs> 
but he he makes it seem that way and so i can see right. where she's coming from i have do you think he's going to come back after filming the reunion i don't it doesn't feel like he's coming back but you didn't say that he wasn't coming back i, I don't know i i would hope he would but um I guess we're going to have to wait and find out. I know. It's been so interesting to see this play out and like which day in March they're in and just thinking about how crazy the media stuff was. I forgot who said on this week, but they're like, yo, it was on the CNN homepage. <laughs> right. It was on CNN. Yeah. I remember, I've, I've been watching Sandoval on um, Special Forces. And when he was explaining to the people like who he was and why he's famous, he's like, yeah, I know. I'm just like a dumb reality guy. Maybe I put those words out there. But the part that he did say was, you know, I'm just on a reality show and I don't cheat on my girlfriend. It's on CNN. Like, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's just one of those things like the vortex, the world, the Bravo sphere, the Vanderverse, like all the stars aligned and... I just couldn't be happier for Ariana. I'm watching her on Dancing with the Stars and texting from everybody in the house's phones, going on to the dot-com to vote. <laughs> like, she is doing so well. She is. Sandoval, are you watching Special Forces? No, but that same friend who just started Vanderpump Rules texted, uh, like, six weeks ago and was like, do you know who Tom Sandoval is? I forgot what it was. I posted it um, because it was so oh, funny to so me. Funny. And so she, um, she's the one that was like, okay, what, what is this Scandoval situation? Do I need to really watch Vanderpump Rules? And I was like, you really, really it's should watch Vanderpump Rules. And, but the thing is that I realized is watching it like all in a row, like in a binge, without having like the week in between during the season and then the year in between, you know, I feel like right. we kind of grew up with them. I was in my 20s when the show came out. I related to some of them a little less the first two seasons when they were acting kind of nuts, but more as time went on. And mm -hmm. we kind of grew up with them. And then you feel like you know them, you feel like you're part of this group, even though you're not, you're like, Oh, of course, Sheena would do that. You know, like <laughs> that kind <laughs> oh, of a thing. Sheena. But when you binge it, I don't think you develop the same emotional tie to the show. Mm -hmm. And it's more of a like looking for Easter eggs the whole time. Like, okay, where else did Sandoval kind of let us know that he was a you know, self-absorbed person, you know, like that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But I, I don't know. I feel like the way we watched it was the best way. It was, we, it was definitely a time. And going back to something you mentioned earlier about Ariana and Miami girl, I remember her doing that interview and saying, you know, I was in love. I thought I was going to be with this man forever. So, you know, I just went with this story that it didn't happen. I don't know if this is addressed on the show or something, but like, I kind of feel like she owes Miami girl an apology. Like she literally gaslit her. Yeah. Dang, she made her feel freaking crazy. She literally. But also, dang. not uh -oh. to defend Ariana line, but like, if you have a one night stand with someone in Miami, why would you travel all the way to West Hollywood to go on camera and confront over a like, this is crazy. Like, I would never agree to being on camera for that for, you know, you know, and I agree with what you said, except it's just, it's kind of different as somebody, I just rewatched it like very recently. Oh, okay. And I just feel that she, she was saying like, Sandoval, we talked all night and we would have 
these really deep conversations and you told me these things like I feel like again he just manipulated her very much into thinking that he was very single and that he was um very into her and looking for you know something with her that he was never going to give her um yeah I, I actually I oh felt like Miami she girl. thought something was going to happen like they would date yeah. after yeah, I like oh. it, watching it back. Like he played her, and it, I, it, I, I actually left like feeling, and maybe it is kind of crazy that she flew across the country. But like, if you're yeah. really hurt, like, well, I think Kristen I mean, paid for the ticket. <laughs> well, Chris, I, and you know what? That's somebody else. The fact that they called her and I am one of them called her crazy, Kristen. She did some wacky thing, but again, she was being gaslit the whole time. She knew yeah. what happened, and everybody was saying that it didn't happen. She's like, I was there. I was involved with this. Don't tell me it didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. I feel for Kristen. I know. I know. It, but during those years, she also behaved so poorly. So poorly. And, and hurt she other people, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely watched it with a different... I, it felt different watching it this time. Back. I recommend people going back and watching. It's I need again to do that. A, a really fascinating like study of humankind. <laughs> it really is. I I know. And then to think of where Kristen is today, and she's in this like stable relationship, and they want to have a baby. And I mean, my heart goes out to her that she had pregnancy loss. You know, and and she seems to be like a really good friend to other. You know. Um, it's wild. She's always in the audience. Yeah. Cheering on Ariana. It's great. Yeah. People grow up, you know, and they mature. And the fact that her and Ariana are friends, I think, says everything about both of them and the kind of human beings that they are. Right. I agree 100%. I love their friendship. I really, really, really hope that with this new Vanderpump Rules spinoff, Valley, whatever, like, I do hope we see some, like, intercrossing because Kristen's going to be on the new show they're best friends with Ariana. Like, can we please like see them in each other's worlds? Like it wouldn't make sense if we don't see them, like their universe is crossing on these shows. Right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but speaking of one night stands and Miami girl, Ooh, um, yes. let's talk about Danielle and Alex on winter house. So oh, oh, oh. it's not a one night stand, but it's certainly not something that has serious potential. And the way that Danielle entered that whatever situationship was like, I'm cool. I'm like just interested in having sex with you. And like, if you want to go for Jordan, cool, go for her. Like, I'll cheer you on. And then to completely switching as soon as they sleep together. And then not telling Alex that her feelings had changed. Uh, I used to think Danielle was the voice of reason on Summer House. I don't think she's ever a voice of reason anymore. I don't know what the heck. You know, I have to say, again, I'm not huge into the Summer House, um, Winter House world. I've enjoyed Danielle more on this season of Winter House than I have on Summer House. Just, I think, being away from the girls on that show has just made me see her differently. And I have to say, I enjoyed, like, cool Danielle at the beginning. I was like, she just got out of a long relationship. He's cute. Alex is adorable. Hook up. Do your thing. Whatever. But you just, you can't do the, the it, 
and I can empathize, like, I can see how it would be really hard to see a guy that you just boned, like, literally, like, flirting with another girl in front <laughs> yes. of you. Like, I get how awful that is, but, like, you can't have it both ways. Exactly. And that she didn't communicate to him that her feelings had changed, right? Like, that's, I feel like she always says, like, the right thing to the wrong person. Like, she doesn't tell the person who she needs to have the conversation with, the things that she said to the person that she was complaining about. So like she would complain to Malia about Alex and said all of this stuff that she really should have just said to Alex. But instead she's like, do you like me? I'm sorry that I got mad. Like, you know, I want like weird, weird behavior. And I totally take Amanda's side in their little quarrel when Amanda was like, let me try and imagine myself in your shoes. I know that that was annoying. But if it was Kyle, and she had just had sex with her husband, and he was hanging out and talking to other women, she doesn't get upset because she knows the relationship that she has. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think she's trying to think like, it's hard for me to imagine that scenario. Right where it's she's like okay it's because maybe because I'm married that I think what she was trying to say is I have confidence in who I'm with right and that they're not trying to flirt and it really all is because Danielle isn't confident in Alex being only interested in her which she has no need to only be interested in her they are nothing they owe each other absolutely nothing yeah I think Danielle needs to abstain from having sex with people until she, you know, if it, I, I don't think, I think she wants to be the cool girl that acts like sex doesn't mean anything to her, but it totally does. And so then stop saying it means nothing and telling the people that you're having sex with that it means nothing because you don't feel that way. Yeah, make it make sense, girlfriend. Like, it, it the math isn't mathing here. And I am an Alex fan. Like, he was really creepy in the hot tub. I just, I think I'm a fan because he was at BravoCon and he was so nice. I ran into him in the Peacock Lounge where the massages were. And he was just nice and charming. And, well, you can tell he's a new Bravo celebrity that, like, he's, like, not sure what to do with the attention and stuff. Like, he he was very sweet. Very sweet. Handsome guy. Much, again, much smaller than you would think. Like, I'm 5'6". He was a little taller than me. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's exactly what I was saying. But he, I don't know, I it's not that I particularly like him. It's just that Danielle isn't clearly communicating. And that's unfair to expect things right. from people that you have not clearly communicated. And I think because she's drinking so much, she's not sure what she said or hasn't said. And sometimes maybe think the things that she's thinking in her head are things that she's vocalized, or that people should just know, right? And they're not. You have to be clear. I agree 100%. <laughs> that was hard to watch. Like, as a woman, because she's, like, in her 30s. Like, yeah, not saying you have all your you know? answers. Yeah, you don't have to have all your answers by no. any means. But there are just some, like, basic communication things that, like, one would think you would have acquired by this point in your life. Like, and if you just want to bone somebody, that's fine. And if you can't handle not be, getting like emotionally attached, like just go out to a bar and find a guy. Like you don't ever have to see them again. This guy you have to live with for the next however many weeks. Yeah, it was. It's just been tough watching her. I feel like, you know, I really didn't appreciate how she 
uh, was talking to Lindsay during last season of Summer House. I felt like she had valid points, but the way that she was stating them and how she was saying them to Lindsay were unhelpful, that she could have mm-hmm. said it in a different way. And then at some point, you drop it if your friend isn't going to address If your friend doesn't see the problem, then you can't make them see it, and you just need to let it go. But she couldn't let it go. And that was very infuriating. And I think she just needs to maybe do some unpacking of her relationship with Robert, because I think it... She was unhappy and she's projecting and she's angry and she's still frustrated that it ended and she just needs to take some time to heal because she deserves wonderful things. She's a lovely girl. My God, seeing her at BravoCon, talking to her, she was so friendly. She so like understands the assignment, you know, Mm. she's a kind, smart, beautiful woman. So it's like hard to see these like kind, smart, beautiful women kind of acting a little bit nuts you know over some dude like come on you're worth more than that i'll never understand like the the chefs and the um what's the other one's name austin Austin like i will never ever understand the appeal like we have these beautiful women like danielle on bravo and then we have these like total dirt bags and it's just like how is she having like such a lack of success looking for something real. And then we have these guys parading around doing what they want with who they want, when they want to do it. Like it's crazy. I do have a theory about Austin, which I have shared, which is, I think he, um, when he's with women, he shares like very personal things with them and they think that they're special because they're having these like intimate conversations about life and death and everything in between. And then all of a sudden he gets too close to them and he freaks out and he does something to sabotage the relationship and then they're mad at him. But the reason I think they get so go so crazy over him is because they think it's more serious than we see because we don't see them yeah. like lying in bed talking. We exactly. don't we don't see that part of it. And I that had to have been the kind of conversations he was having with Sierra for her to behave the way that she did. Like, I think he led her on in a way that we didn't see. That's my only interpretation. Because it's not just her. It's an Olivia, too. I'm like, okay, we're seeing a pattern here. I think he's doing the same thing to each one of them, making them think something is really serious, telling them that he loves them, you know, but not on camera, right? Acting like totally like it's no big deal on camera. And then they seem like the crazy ones when they Mm -hmm. treat it like it was a real relationship and are upset at how it ended. See, I swear this is Miami girl. I really feel that that's what she, what she went did with my, I really feel like she felt like they would have like a serious emotional connection that they were going to be like ride or die. And this is wild to have like a one night stand with someone and assume that it's like in a city that they don't live in that you, <laughs> sorry. I'm um, can I just say, like, you do amazingly crazy things. Uh, I've never done Molly. I'm like, yeah, I was, I was thinking they were on drugs. Like, yeah. Right. Like, I did ecstasy back in the day. And like, isn't that, that the same thing like, as Molly? I think it is the same thing as Molly. I think like Molly is like more pure. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> no like, one, that's no one's out here testing so their drugs ago. purity. <laughs> like, well, you know, with all the fentanyl in the world, they should be. Well, so, they, yeah. I know. Like, There's no like FDA like, labeling. <laughs> yeah, can you guys like 
please regulate our street drugs, please and thank you. <laughs> well, that was the other thing about watching Vanderpump Rules, all the um, Adderall use. Like, I'm like, wow, they really do talk about their Adderall on this show. Yeah, they they definitely, and Stassi said she had a real problem with it. We find out Craig was actually, like, physically addicted. Um, yeah. There's a lot, you know, uh, Carl talked about Adderall and cocaine. There's a lot of use, and it's... You know, I, it's also common in the restaurant industry, right? To like stay awake right. you, or bartending. It's, you know, it's huge in that sort of subculture. Yeah, I bartended through college and that's just like the absolute norm. Like, well, nowadays you don't walk around with cash as much. But like back in the days, I mean, I'm going back like 20 years now. Like I would leave from a bartending ship with a few hundred dollars cash in my pocket. Like it's really easy to go out and like cause trouble when yeah. you're like, 22 and have like money like cash in your pocket yeah, yeah. that gets to be dangerous <laughs> it's is dangerous <laughs> people 22 year olds are dangerous <laughs> so i've decided i'm terrified of gen z like terrified <laughs> oh my gosh let's just you wait know, can i, I read you i'm gonna read you this tweet that i can't get over that went viral this week oh i can't wait i literally cannot okay it's this professor um, and I think he's a professor of like history or theology or something like that. And he wrote, I will never recover from the student email. Good afternoon, Professor Pen- Pennyman or whatever. Um, hope you had a great break. I was wondering if it would be acceptable to use sources from the late 1900s for our final paper. I found an interesting paper from 1994. Is there a cutoff date of publication? See you tomorrow. <laughs> Oh my gosh, 1994, the 1900s. Oh, the, the 1900s. I was like, oh, my oh God. no. I mean, I was expecting like 1912 or something, right? Like a like hundred years ago, but 94. <laughs> Come on. But it's like I could see someone who was born in 2004, right? Going yeah. through and being like, I don't know, this might not be too old of a source for the. <laughs> oh, that's so right, but funny. it's it's so funny to me. So I'm like, I'm terrified of Gen Z. They're like pointing out things that I just like can't. <laughs> oh that my god! Wow, yeah, their inability to do certain things. I'm just like, wow, how do you not know how to do like these basic? Things, but they just they're programmed differently than we are. It's not yeah. a bad thing. And they you know do, things, do a lot of things we don't. They know all these things that we don't know. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin with some of the stuff, you know? Oh, I feel like such a dinosaur every time I try to go online. I'm just like, well, this is why it's a wonderful thing that Imani does all this stuff. Like, I do the dot com. Like, I like to, you know, my speed is a little bit slower than the Instagram world. Like, how people pop out these memes and these edits so fast. I have no idea. I don't know how to make videos. I don't like I'm trying to learn a little bit so that I can up my game on Instagram. But man, it is not natural for me. No, that's not how I'm built at all. <laughs> so I don't know that we got way off topic. Um, but that that email made me laugh. That's that's great. Yeah, the 1900s. <laughs> the, audacity. Well, the audacity. <laughs> the audacity. And right back to Ramona Singer. Um, well, 
Ashley, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find everything you've written, anything else, Taste of Reality, and anything else you want to plug. Oh, thank you so much, Mandy. It's always a pleasure uh, to see you again after finally meeting you in person. Um, I do most of the writing at tasteofreality.com. We are not specifically a Bravo page, but we're both Bravo girlies, me and my partner, Imani. She does most of the Instagram stuff. She'll write sometimes. So um, we do jump into each other's, you know, little worlds. But um, I do most of the behind the scenes stuff. You'll see Imani mostly on Instagram. And uh, though it's not only Bravo, that's where most of our heart is. But we do do um, pop culture things. I'm a Swifty. So anything Taylor Swift, Britney Spears. Um, we also do like The Bachelor, if you're part of Bachelor Nation. We love all the Netflix shows, all the dating shows, the Love is Blind. Yeah, we're here for all of your reality TV needs and wants. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And it was so fun to run into you at BravoCon. And I'm so glad you recognized me from Zoom. Did people people come up to you? Uh, Yeah, a few people did. But most people wouldn't have known me like what I look like if you just listen to the podcast. But it's uh, people who like have seen me on Instagram. And then I wore a shirt uh, a few of the days that had my picture of the like the logo on it. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Mary Payne from Pink Shade was like, you need to <laughs> brand yourself at BravoCon. I was like, do I have to? I feel like I look like a loser wearing myself <laughs> on my shirt. It feels weird, doesn't it? it? Yeah, it did not feel natural for me. Um, but you know, I'm also like, whatever. It's BravoCon. There's people wearing way crazier things. So... I love the outfit. Did you see the two gentlemen dressed as uh, Sandoval and Rachel in the infamous uh, oh, Tom Tom hoodie? They were yeah. amazing. So yeah, funny. some of the outfits were just the chef's kiss. I know. Next year, if I go, I want to like think about dressing up like a famous iconic scene, like with the bonnets or something. The bonnets. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Yeah, I was thinking about like, could I dress as like Aviva's leg or as like a sprinkle cookie? I was thinking of like an iconic moment also, but um, I was also like, I don't want to embarrass my business partner because I don't know if she wants to walk around with a woman dressed as a sprinkle cookie for the whole day. <laughs> well, I used to have really, really dorky Halloween costumes, which I know is probably so shocking to <laughs> But I would have like very DC costumes. So um, like in 2008, me and a friend went as Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. um, And we were part of the housing bubble that had burst. Um, And then in 2009, (laughs) so stupid, I wanted to dress as the public option for the Affordable Care Act. Oh my goodness. <laughs> which <laughs> which was killed by Joe Lieberman. Um but I couldn't figure out a way to like dress as the public option. Um so I was uh Brett Favre uh, who had just gone to the Vikings. So I was Purple Judas. Cuz we used oh, to nice. call Adrian Peterson Purple Jesus and so like he was like anyways. And then no one got that cuz it was a sports reference and I live in Washington DC. Um <laughs> And then in, in 2010, I was faux news. I dressed as a fox. I had a, oh, a huge so fox funny. outfit. And then 
had like a phone news thing on my chest and then went around with the fake microphone that said phone news on it. Um, oh, that's and, amazing. Like interviewed people about their thoughts on America and freedom. <laughs> Wrong answers only. <laughs> it was like right around the tea party time. You know, I just, I do, oh, I, I was a good. retrovirus one year. Oh, good I was like one. a 70s, like go-go dancer with like a screen print of the HIV oh, virus. Oh, hilarious. Which oh, is my retro. Goodness. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Wow. At least there was like a scientist I ran to. It was like, are you AIDS? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was going are for retrovirus, AIDS? but yes, yes. I'm glad I'm in the right vicinity here. I mean, you're at least. I was the bird flu one year in 2007. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I can understand the bird. Like, did you have like vomit or? No, I had the the actual virus H5N1 on my shirt. Oh, great. (laughs) Under the electron microscope. And I had the, you know, the duck bill masks that look like a duck, Uh but I was like a giant chicken, basically. Wow. Yeah, I want that that year I actually won scariest when I worked at the National Institutes of Health at the NIH, there was a costume contest and I won scariest, which is the bird flu. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that they were they deemed that scarier than any horror movie. Like yeah. Listen to the oh, science. And my please. best one of my best um was in twenty nineteen when everyone understood my costume. I so I dressed like a skeleton and then I had stickers all over me that said like HR five, like S like two seven one three, like HR like their bills, their legislation from like the House and Senate side, and it was a graveyard of legislation. It was dead bills um, oh. that Mitch McConnell had killed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and every time someone understood it, it was just like warmed my. <laughs> Oh, dorky policy (laughs) oh my gosh miss mcconnell just like ripping away our hopes and dreams it was so stupid but someone's like is that wait is that the equality act is that the like (laughs) oh my gosh is this rights for women is this you know know, the um violence against women act that expired and then needed to get redone and that was on there and you know there was a bunch of different pieces of legislation and voting reform and yeah i went through and just found a bunch of bills that he killed and yeah still one of my best dc costumes so i'm a nerd i'm a nerd And that's why we love you, man. Don't ever stop being exactly who you are. You know, my uh, friend that was there today with me that you met, um, that I met you, because uh, I met a few of my influencer friends uh, that day, like people I follow. And I don't want to say who, but she was very disappointed with one person. She was very um, charmed by you and your friend. Um, oh, that Jody. Jody's awesome. Yeah, she I need Jody to have Jody on. Was, Jody's yeah, so Jody's funny. Yeah, Jody's amazing. Yeah, my friend loved her. <laughs> She's so funny. <laughs> uh, we just Yeah, it was so nice to meet you guys. I know. I wish we could have hung out longer. Um that I know, that's was time. exhausting. Yeah. So like we we shot what do you say shot we I guess we shot our shot. Is that how you say it? I have no you idea. Shoot your shot? Do you shot your shot? Anyway. <laughs> we requested press passes for BravoCon, which we were not given. 
So, um, yeah, it was a lot. It was very difficult getting tickets. Like, and as a Swifty, like after the Ticketmaster debacle of getting Ticketmaster, you know, with Ticketmaster, getting Aerosport tickets, and then BravoCon, like, it's too stressful. This was so much stress just getting there. Once we were there, it was great. But, like, good Lord, the amount it costs to go, number one, is just unreal. And then for people who had to travel, like, yikes. Um, was it worth it? Yes. Would yeah. I do it again? Yes. But um, it's a lot. I know. I need to start saving. <laughs> Big time. Again Big for next year. Time. I depleted. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I can't even imagine how much it was, like, getting there and everything for the weekend. But I have ways now hotels. to manage it in the future. Like, I think I know how to make it cost less. Like, there's certain events I wouldn't go to, um, can book a hotel, not through the block, and, like, well in advance, you know, all of that stuff. Um, You know, choose restaurants, like, not drink, like, you know, I don't drink much to begin with, so. Right. No, I feel you. And Vegas is a very expensive place to drink. Like, you're looking at, like, $18 cocktails. Like, that's just, like, the base of what it is. DC is not great either, but I think it's a little bit better than Vegas. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, most places are. This is crazy. When I go out of town, I'm like, oh my God, everywhere else is so cheap. Like, I'm at a really fancy place here, and drinks are so cheap compared to what I'm used to in Vegas. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm like, you're a girl, you shouldn't buy your drinks. I'm like, I'm 40 something and I'm married, so I buy my own damn drinks. Leave me alone. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on. And um, let's just keep in touch. I hope to be Please. back in Vegas next year. And we'll whoop it up. Yeah, we'll whoop it up. <laughs> the Trace Amigas thing is so funny. I don't think I ever would go to their thing, but I've gone to like way dumber ones. Like I went to the Pillows and Beer in person event. Um, the podcast. See, I love tour. that kind of thing. That, like if you was, build it, I will come. Yeah, if you build it. I think I'm actually now will go to anything because I like the other fans. Like I like being around the Bravo people. That's what I mm-hmm. would go for. I don't need to like see all of like I don't need to meet Tamara. I would talk to Vicky about insurance though and tell her about my brother. No, who's she an has actuary great advice. Who regulates? Oh life my insurance. gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> no, Vicky was the insurance during the show and then during the pre-show. The fact that she was talking to me about like my long-term plans for retirement. Like, she had a lot of questions for me. Like, I really felt like she was genuinely, like, concerned that I didn't have enough of a plan, like, going into my later years. Like, it was amazing. I felt like, I felt like Brianna. Like, I was being mothered by Vicki Gumbleson. <laughs> well, start looking into it. You can always reach out to her at Kodo Insurance. I sure could. <laughs> I'm sure she would love to sell me a policy. Oh, this is so fun. Okay. Well, and thank you so much again. Thank you so much for coming on. And we'll we'll talk soon. <laughs> Bye, Ashley. Bye.